Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Jonathan Mason, and I want to welcome you back into the pastor's office. Have you missed me? I know I've been gone for two weeks, and I haven't had a chance to speak to you. And I I pray that absence makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, As many of you may know, some of you may not know, uh, during my absence, I made my 13th trip to Ghana, my 13th trip to Ghana, the motherland, Africa. And let me tell you something. If you can, in your journeys, make a trip to the motherland, I want to encourage you to do so. It is a life-changing experience. Real quick, because we got a great guest that we want to get to. Uh, over in Ghana, uh, I support a technical school, um, a preschool, a high school, a domestic abuse shelter, and an orphanage. And every time I go over there, it never ceases to amaze me how appreciative the people are uh, for the what I consider to be the very small work that we're doing uh, to make sure that they have running water, to make sure they have foodstuffs, to make sure uh, that their kitchens and their roofs are in order. Um, it really is. It really is a wonderful, wonderful experience. And as I tell my congregation all the time, it's just a blessing to be a blessing. Uh, so uh, we're excited uh, for the work we're doing there, but we're just as excited to be back, uh, back on the airwaves at 100.7 FM. And watch this, since we've been gone, not just 100.7 FM, but 100.3 WRNB HD3. Uh, and, and, you know, listen, I've been hearing uh, a, a lot from you over the three years since we started this radio station. Uh, we love being go- Philadelphia's exclusive home for gospel radio that emanates from Philadelphia. We love it. But we've also heard your concerns about uh, signal strength and being able to listen longer while you're in your car. Well, with WRNB 100.3 HD3, you can listen all the way from the tip of Baltimore up almost to New York City. Uh, So we want you to start tuning that in on your dial, Uh, 100.3 WRNB HD3. I like to say it this way, bigger, louder, and stronger. All right? Anyway, listen, we've got a great guest here today. This gentleman has been busy uh, in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives authoring legislation, uh, as I always say to you, that will positively impact the lives of Pennsylvanians. Uh, and so today we want to bring him in to talk about three bills that have passed the House and are now waiting for Senate approval. Uh, and again, I like what I'm seeing. Uh, protections against ethnic intimidation, 
hate crime training for law enforcement, reporting system for educational institutions when it comes to hate crimes. Uh, Listen, uh, we have seen over the last few years, uh, and and I'm never going to say that the George Floyd case started this, but I am going to say that it exacerbated the situation. We've seen over the last few years uh, that we really need to make our laws stronger uh, when it comes to hate crimes, when it comes uh, to issues of this nature. And even, and I need to bring our guest in because I'm just talking here, but even in the situation now where we see that hate crimes against the Jewish people are increasing uh, all over the country, uh, we've we've got to deal with this through legislation, but then we've also got to deal with this, most importantly, in my opinion, through education. But listen, let me bring into the pastor's office for the very first time, uh, Representative Dan Frankel. Representative Frankel, thank you for joining us in the pastor's office. You are welcome here, sir. Thank you, Pastor Mason. It's uh, it's a privilege to be here. I've heard uh, so many things about you and your ministry and your radio station, so uh, I'm excited to be able to uh, to be on with you today. Well, we're excited to have you, and again, as I shared with you off air, you have been busy uh, uh, working on what I consider to be some very important legislation, and what I want to do is just go through each uh, of these pieces of legislation that you authored uh, uh, or sponsored and have gotten through the House and are waiting now for Senate approval. I want to talk about each of them and how they will impact the lives of Pennsylvanians. Let's start with HB 1027, which is the new protections under uh, ethnic intimidation statute. Talk to us. Help us understand what this bill will mean to the average Pennsylvanian. Sure. It has a number of different elements to it. Uh, you know, we have had a, an ethnic intimidation statute on the books for, uh, you know, better part of 40 years. Uh, but it really hasn't been updated uh, in in a very long time, and really, in my view, in the view of many, is is deficient in terms of uh, you know what it's intended to do. So you know the the bill provides uh, protections for people uh, through uh, the Pennsylvania Human Relations uh, Commission uh, against acts of intimidation and uh, hatred, but. Uh, it only protects certain classes of people. So it protects people on the basis of their race, their religion, uh, their gender, uh, and it excludes a couple of, uh, of categories that we've seen uh, you know, become more prevalent in acts of hatred uh, in terms of targeted and vulnerable groups. So that includes the LGBTQ plus community and the disability community primarily. So, you know, as we take a look uh, and survey what what takes place uh, on a day-to-day basis, whether it's, you know, uh, a, a mass event like at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando or events that uh, target uh, individuals, and we see this quite frequently in, in our cities in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, uh, people from the LGBTQ plus community who are targeted. And we see people in the disability community, they're targeted as well. So in Pittsburgh, uh, in the Western Pennsylvania region, we have a facility that cares for uh, disabled and intellectually disabled individuals, many of them who are nonverbal. Um, and we had two people uh, who worked there who uh, physically abused uh, uh, many of these residents, I mean, dozens of them, uh, posted this on social media. 
uh, joked about it. Uh, they've been uh, uh, prosecuted and committed, but they not for a hate crime because they were targeting the targeting this group. Uh, so that 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 we want to expand the group the the groups of people and the classes of people that were included and protected under the existing hate crime statute, and then we wanted to add um, the capacity for a civil action against those who either inspire or commit these hate crimes. Um, so uh, t- today in Pennsylvania, it's just a criminal uh, pathway uh, in terms of. Uh, justice, but uh, we believe that there ought to be a civil pathway as well. Uh, so to be able to sue those uh, who inspire or commit, you know, acts of harassment, acts of uh, violence, acts of uh, vandalism uh, that we see uh, so prevalent. And it's important because, you know, the, these, the, you know, acts of these types of acts have existed forever, but we have seen a rapid uh, and alarming escalation uh, in the number of, of incidents that that have been reported and you know kind of cataloged by organizations like the ACLU, so one of the things that we know is even though that the number of incidents that have been reported is rising dramatically, it's still underreported. And uh, as you noted, one of the other bills provides uh, for the training for law enforcement because law enforcement in many situations cases, and we have many law enforcement agencies across the the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, you know, really don't have the tools or the knowledge to be able to identify what a hate crime is uh, and are not good at uh, gathering the evidence for it uh, and provides, uh, you know, uh, providing uh, prosecutors with the accurate information that they need in order to prosecute uh, a hate crime. Uh, so, you know, that that is part of another bill uh, in this package. Uh, to provide that uh, that training for law enforcement, so it's we want to give our communities additional tools to fight this epidemic that we're facing uh, in this country and in our Commonwealth. Representative Frankel, one of the things that always, I guess, I don't know, um, confuses me, astounds me, is that when victims are are exposed to these type of hate crimes. Many times they don't want to come forward. Um, and I'm sure as you've put these pieces of legislation together, I'm sure your team has had to ask a lot of questions. And so my question to you is, why are people intimidated to come forward and say, you know what, somebody actually has has offended me. Somebody actually has 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 shown bias towards me because of my race, my sex, my, 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 my sexual persuasion, whatever it may be, but I'm not saying anything. Why are people intimidated? Why are they scared to step up? Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. I think people, you know, feel very vulnerable. And when you feel vulnerable, you don't necessarily uh, you know, feel comfortable uh, asserting yourself and uh, you know, in a way that uh, would uh, help, I think, prevent it from occurring again. Uh, so, you know, it is the, the act itself and the reason for it, you know, acts of, you know, of violence or vandalism against an individual are so awful in, in, in any instance, but when it's motivated because of who you are uh, or what you believe or who you love, there's an additional level of intimidation to that act, uh, that criminal act against you uh, as a person that extends to a broader community, which defines what a hate crime is, and uh, you know, I don't, you know, people may feel uh, feel uh, 
embarrassed. They may feel, you know, really uh, vulnerable for to additional acts against them, particularly if uh, the criminal justice system doesn't really respond to you, uh, and law enforcement doesn't respond to you or doesn't believe you. Uh, so I think that the, all those kind of things, I think, go into a complicated uh, calculation uh, that, uh, you know, that, that people, you know, part of what a hate crime is to make you feel bad about yourself. Yeah, and one of your group. Yeah, and one of the things I really like about this piece of legislation is that, as you shared, um, heretofore we've been able to go after the perpetrators criminally, but now you're also able to open up a, a pathway to be able to go after them in their pockets, and 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 so help our listeners understand why it's important to be able to have that civil pathway. Well, I mean, you know, I, one of the things that motivated this package of bills, um, you know, was uh, what took place in my community uh, five years ago, mm-hmm. five years ago this last week. Um, I, my, you know, the center of my community is the Squirrel Hill neighborhood uh, where the Tree of Life synagogues are. And, you know, in the aftermath of the anti-Semitic attack that murdered 11 of my neighbors, you know, trying to figure out uh, what we could do. And one of the things that we found out you know, from this, the perpetrator, is that he kind of got his his fuel from this website, Gab, that did all this work around and, and, and promoted anti-Semitic voices uh, and uh, racist voices and, uh, you know, uh, pro- provided a platform for, for hatred uh, and encouraging and violence to take place in. And, you know, uh, it, it, somebody needs to be responsible for that. Uh, and I don't know what, if there'll be a civil course of action against uh, that platform, but there ought to be. Um, that, you know, that was a federal crime, so uh, we can't really deal with it at the state level. Uh, but there, if something similar happens at the state level and you have somebody who's basically basically encouraging uh, violence against uh, a specific group of people uh, that uh, that materializes, and you can trace it back uh, to that organization as kind of being the motivating factor. Uh, there ought to be uh, civil. Uh, there may not be criminal responsibility, but there should be at least a civil course of action against uh, those uh, those platforms and those individuals who create those platforms and promote them. Uh, that uh, sponsor uh, this type of uh, criminal activity against groups of people. Philly's favorite listeners, don't you dare leave your radio dial or leave the app. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. You're in the pastor's office this Sunday afternoon. Philly's favor, 100.7 FM, 100.3 WRNB HD3. We're talking with Representative Dan Frankel, who has been able to author and push through the House a package of uh, bills that deal with hate crimes. Uh, Representative Frankel, you mentioned uh, training for law enforcement. Now, many of us would think that that's already a part of the educational process of our law enforcement officials. Help, help me understand uh, where we're aired in our thoughts. I think it's just there's not a consistency in terms of training. We have so many different law enforcement agencies across the state. Uh, and one of, one of the, uh, the groups that uh, supported uh, this package of uh, bills uh, was the Pennsylvania State Police. 
uh, who believed that it would be helpful to them uh, to to kind of require uh, this training. So there may be training in some in some law enforcement agencies across Pennsylvania, but it's probably it's not required, and so it's not consistent. Uh, and what we want to make sure is that every uh, every law enforcement agency has training uh, in the ability to both identify hate crimes and confront hate crimes uh, when when it's uh, appropriated and help uh, help our communities. We are very grateful to the officers who ran into harm's way at the Tree of Life synagogues and were injured and. Um, you know, and they came away with, I think, an understanding of why it's important for them to have this type of training. And as I said, the Pennsylvania State Police were uh, were integral in terms of doing some advocacy around this uh, piece of legislation. So, uh, uh, and please, I, I like to draw parallels, um, but I think you'll get where I'm going in a second. So, I, I serve as a visiting professor at uh, one of the colleges in Virginia. And each year we have to go through a security training, a uh, internet security training. And and I've been through the training so many times that I can pretty much kind of get through it, you know, by just tapping a button, going right to the test. I'm not listening to any of the new information. I'm telling on myself, so I hope nobody from the university is listening. But <laughs> but But the bottom line is, the training is really not very effective because it's virtual. And, and as you know, when people are doing it online like that, they, they're doing other things, et cetera, et cetera. My question, because this is so important, uh, this hate crime training, if it gets through the Senate, and we're hoping it will, uh, how rigorous is this training going to be? Or is it going to be push-button, web-based training that, let's, let's be honest, most of our officers are just going to get through? So, you know, the, the training is something that is going to be developed on a collaborative basis. So a lot stakeholders, you know, it's not just going to be, you know, our law enforcement agencies uh, doing this. You'll, the, the organizations like the Pennsylvania Human Relations Commission, uh, community groups, uh, I think uh, we'll, we'll all have be at the table in terms of designing, um, you know, a, a an educational program that is both uh, meaningful and hopefully effective. Uh, given you're right, I mean, there's no way you, you you do continuing education. I have to do it for in my business as well, trying to get people to focus on uh, continuing education is oftentimes difficult. Uh, but I think um, you know, in in the particularly in the law enforcement field, that uh, you know, I think there can be you know. Uh, some some pressure to to pay attention and to make sure that people get the training and I think that we're our intent is to design something in a collaborative basis that brings all the stakeholders together uh, to help develop that curriculum. Understood, understood. So the this package is kind of topped off with HB one zero two five, which is a reporting system for educational institutions mm-hmm. uh, for post secondary institutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, help us understand what this would look like. So one one of the things that that we recognize, and unfortunately, I think we're seeing some of this play out currently in real time on our college campuses. Um, uh, in the aftermath of what's taking place in the Middle East, not the aftermath as it's taking place. Um, 
but what we've known for a long time uh, is students are particularly vulnerable both to being targeted uh, by hate groups for uh, as to, to be harassed or assaulted uh, or to be recruited actually by some of these hate groups to be part of uh, their organizations. Uh, so uh, we wanted to design a, a way to, to, for, for students to feel safe uh, when, when confronted uh, with uh, either being, you know, being, being harassed, uh, being threatened uh, in this situation to be able to report it. So what we took was um, uh, a, a program that is working really very successfully that was designed during the Me Too movement for sexual assault and sexual harassment on campuses. So it's called Safe to Say, uh, and it's a, a, an operation that's run through the Attorney General's office in, in Pennsylvania, and it's been adopted by uh, most of our colleges and universities, I think uh, uh, at least the state ones and others can voluntarily uh, come into it, where this voluntary system of reporting, of reporting creates an environment where, where students uh, and even faculty members uh, can feel safe about reporting uh, in a similar way to the way they're able to report sexual harassment uh, and sexual assault uh, that may take place. So it's basically an extension of the Safe to Say program to now incorporate uh, uh, hate, uh, intimidation, uh, violent uh, harassment, etc. Understood. Well, Representative Franco, I, I want to commend you on the work that you have done uh, in getting these packages through the House. What do you foresee in the Senate? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. We got bipartisan support. And let me, and let me also uh, take a moment to recognize uh, the fact that I had uh, a partner uh, who was a prime sponsor of one of those bills who is a, a legislator from uh, southeastern Pennsylvania, uh, Napoleon Nelson. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to meet him. Not yet. Uh, but uh, Napoleon was uh, was very helpful, and he actually was the prime sponsor of the uh, of the educational uh, bill uh, that we just discussed um, in the Senate. Uh, you know, we wanted to send a message that there was bipartisan support in the House. So there, uh, while these were Democratic uh, sponsored bills, there were Republican votes for them in the House. Um, and I'm hoping that uh, uh, that'll send a signal to the Republican leaders who control the state Senate uh, to to bring them up for a vote. Uh, and if they do, I'm confident that they pass. My own you know relationships. Yes, I'm a Democrat, and uh, you know I have pretty good relationships with some of the Senate Republicans. So I'm hoping that that they uh, will take it up. There's a very broad cross section of uh, advocates. We put together a Pennsylvania coalition against hate. Uh, that includes almost every faith group uh, in the state, every organization that represents a vulnerable community, uh, 60 organizations in all, uh, a very diverse group that is bef uh, behind this to help uh, take it over the finish line. Um, and I know that the governor, uh, Governor Shapiro, is, is anxious to be able to sign uh, these bills into law. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing them on his desk and then seeing them executed. Uh, before yeah. we let you go, Representative Frankel, I know you're up in the Pittsburgh area, and that's your area uh, of, of, of primary concern, uh, but I know your eyes are on Philadelphia on Tuesday uh, and the historic election that's about to take place uh, here in, in, in Philadelphia. 
with one of your well, uh, one, former one, one, colleagues. Former colleagues. Uh, I talk- served. I served with uh, representative at that time. Representative now, Counselor uh, Sherelle Parker. She. Uh, we worked uh, together on on many things. Uh, well, she was uh, she was there. She chaired the she chaired the Philadelphia delegation. I think she also may have chaired the Black Caucus, the Pennsylvania Legislative Black Caucus. Uh, she was uh, a dynamic member of our of our caucus. And uh, when she uh, stood up and spoke on the House floor, she commanded uh, your attention. So I'm excited uh, that. Uh, you know, uh, that she she uh, looks like she's likely to be uh, the next mayor. And it is historic to have an African-American woman uh, for the first time uh, as the, the mayor of uh, Philadelphia, the second most important executive position in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, and it comes on the heels of uh, my other colleague uh, also making history, uh, Representative Joanna McClinton, who became the first uh, African-American woman a speaker of the Pennsylvania House. So it's a very exciting time in this regard uh, to see people uh, stepping up and taking leadership positions uh, from uh, communities that have been underrepresented for so many years uh, and finally having the opportunity to to really take the lead in, in such an important and significant way. So very exciting. So I, I've got to share this with you, but, and then I'll let you go. But on Sunday, October the 8th, um, the church I pastor, Northeast Baptist Church, we celebrated our annual Men and Women's Day. And the preacher for that Sunday was none other than Representative Joanna McClinton, Madam Speaker. Uh, but before she got up to preach, uh, we had we had remarks, and I don't even want to call them remarks because it was really a sermon, uh, from Sherelle Parker. So I had them going one, two on October the 8th, and my members are still talking about it to this oh, boy. day. That's, I mean, that, that's a lot of, lot of energy and power on that. <laughs> on that uh, yeah. It was wonderful. Well, we're, look, we're looking forward to Tuesday, but we're also looking forward to seeing this package of legislation hit uh, Governor Shapiro's desk and seeing it signed in uh, to law. So, Representative Frankel, thank you for your work. Thank you for your dedication to the citizens of Pennsylvania. And if we can ever be of assistance to you here at Philly's Favor, all you got to do is call, sir. We're right here for you. All right. Thank you so much, Pastor Mason. It's a pleasure being on your show. Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Mm-hmm. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Son.